In your name we pray. Amen. So you have a choice. You have a choice. You can either bury or bless. Now, now here's the deal. You're probably wondering, like, okay, pastor, what's a little bit of context? That would be helpful, right? Um, so, so, you know, uh, and, and that's important. Context is important. And it, in fact, it's here that, that we are given in our text for today a very clear context uh, for the purpose of why Jesus is sharing the parable that we have before us today. Uh, so there's no doubt, there's no speculation. Let's look at it again, verse, verse 1. As they were listening to this, in this meeting, the conversation just, that just happened with Zacchaeus, right, where, where Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Uh, Zacchaeus transforms his heart, his life, right then and there, and Jesus speaks these words, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. So after this, he shares this, he went on to tell a parable because, so here's the reason, because he was near Jerusalem, and because, so here's reason number two, they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. You see, a crowd that had been following, the crowd that had been gathered, were anticipating this long-awaited Messiah, that the, Jesus would be the one who would restore the nation of Israel, free him from, from the, uh, the, uh, just the Roman oppression. And by this time, there is so much excitement building. People are, have not only heard about miracles taking place, they had seen these miracles happening within their own eyes, and they thought that this was the time, this was a moment that the kingdom of Israel would be restored, and, and right here, right now. Yet, what Jesus had in mind for the vision of the kingdom was different than what the people had in mind for their vision of the kingdom. It's kind of like how, when you go on vacation, you have two people, right, and one has, this is the stuff they want to do, and the other person wants to do this stuff, and, and you wind up doing the stuff this person wants to do. Who wants to spend three hours on a yarn uh, tour out of a factory? Makes no sense. But anyway, you see how sometimes there can be differences of what that vision might be, and the same thing is true here. Yes, Jesus was going to Jerusalem, but instead of a conquering a kingdom and establishing a throne, it was there in Jerusalem that he would suffer and die and be buried, and on the third day, rising again. So, so instead of conquering a nation, he conquered sin, death, and the devil. And it wouldn't be until his second coming that Jesus would establish his kingdom. In fact, we talk about this time and time again as we recite the second article of the words of the Apostles' Creed, right, where it says that Jesus suffered upon Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended to the dead on the third day. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge me and the dead. In essence, what Jesus is doing here is he's going away to claim that throne and one day will return in all his glory. But for now, what we do is that we wait. In fact, the scriptures read that Jesus will return at an unexpected hour. And whenever it thunder and lightnings, that's where my mind goes. Maybe it's now, but it might be a beautiful day. Who knows? Now, I would imagine that we're all waiting for something. Maybe, maybe we're waiting for a transformation in our lives. Maybe we're, we're waiting for a change. Maybe we're waiting for, for an answer to a prayer. And there are two ways that we could be waiting. We could be passively waiting where we're just waiting for stuff to happen to us. Or we could be actively waiting, where we're engaging and living our lives to the glory of God while we wait. And so the question is, how are we making the most of our time? Not just being busy for the sake of being busy, but being busy with the right things, the, the things that are going to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. In fact, have you ever thought that, that while at times that, that we're waiting for, on God for stuff, have you ever thought about, well, maybe 
God's waiting for us for some stuff too, right? Maybe to re-engage in our faith, maybe, maybe to dig a little bit deeper, maybe to respond to, to a concern that he's placed on our hearts. Maybe, maybe God's also waiting for us to act, which brings us to the parable itself. So he said, a nobleman, which we can equate with Jesus here, went to a distant country to get royal power for himself and then returned. He summoned 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 pounds. Wish I could just give somebody 10 pounds. That sounds great. That's, that's what stuck out for me today. But the word here for pound is mina, okay? And it's referencing a weight, uh, referencing a sum of, of money used to, used to trade, right? And he said to them, do business with these until I come back. We'll get to this, that phrase, with these, in just a moment. We'll, we'll go back to that. But the citizens of his country hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we do not want this man to rule over us. And I want to stop here just for a moment, if we may, because there's a few things that I want to uplift and highlight this morning. You see, the events captured within this parable that Jesus is sharing would have been very familiar to all those that have gathered because it's actually based on historical events, uh, which Jesus leveraged that speaking to his own rejection, his going away for a time, and then his returning once again. The Roman Empire at the time was uh, ruled the entire region. And no one could rule except that they had permission to rule by the Roman government. So, so when Herod the Great died, what happened was is that his territory was divvied among his children. Herod Antipas received the region of, of Galilee. That's that yellowish color that you see up there. Uh, Herod Philip received the northern territories and east of the Jordan River. That's you'll see in green. And then Herod uh, Articulaus, Ar- Archelaus, sorry, uh, which ruled uh, Judea and Samaria, which is represented by the orange orange. Yet in order to receive that power, what they had to do is they had to travel to Rome and actually get permission from Caesar Augustus and receive his blessing in order that they might rule. However, a protest of 50 delegates were sent from Judea basically saying, you know what, we don't want this Herod Archelaus reigning over us. And a a way to easily remember King Archelaus is, is, you know, if someone is a louse, you know, they're bad, they're cruel, they're they're unpleasant, a little deceitful. And if you take that, that beginning of that phrase and say, okay, an arch enemy or an arch nemesis, right? It means that, that they, they're in a position of superiority. So basically, Archelaus was like the head person that you didn't like and you didn't want ruling over you. So that's a way to remember. You'll probably never think about Archelaus in the same way, uh, not that you were thinking about him before, I think. Um, but if that's a million-dollar question on some quiz show or something, trivia night, please remember the church if you win big. Here we go. Even though the people rejected him, right, Herod Archelaus was given the region to rule anyway. And everyone listening to this parable that Jesus was just sharing right here, they would have known that story. They would have been familiar with that event. Now, before we move on, uh, there are just a few more things to note here. The first is that the distinction between the servants and the slaves and, and the citizens. The one group, the servants, well, they were the one that, that were serving the noblemen. And then you have, the, on the other hand, the citizens representing those who would reject them. So you have a distinction between these two groups. So, so they're separated out. Just as there's a distinction between those who follow Jesus and and those who reject Jesus. And we see the same thing happening in the New Testament as well. Along with the language of of slaves and citizens, there's even a distinction between those who are citizens of the earth and and also citizens of heaven. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 3 verse 30. But our citizenship is in heaven 
And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So even within his words, what he's doing here is he's, Paul's putting it that we're waiting, we're waiting for Jesus' return. So we're talking about those who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah and those who had rejected Jesus. And this is the challenge to us even today as it seems that those who reject the gospel oftentimes have a loud voice. Oftentimes they're active and vocal and expressing disapproval or disdain for who Jesus is and what he has done. So we even experiencing that now, that brokenness, that rejection of, of those who accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and those who reject it. The, the next thing to note here is that each of the 10 slaves were given the same amount to invest. Now, while the parable that is captured in Mark's gospel, his account, shares that the servants were giving very amounts, one five talents, another two, another one, I want to just stay here if we can for today. Uh, so, so he summoned 10 of his slaves and he gave them 10 pounds and said to them, do business with these until I come back. You see, what you want to, I want you to get here is that there is provision. They're being given something, but there's also a purpose. They're being asked to do something. And I think about what we have been given as followers of Jesus Christ, our gifts and our talents. But before we use the phrase, our gifts and our talents, let's put this in perspective. Who, in essence, is the owner of the pound? Who's the owner? Well, it's the nobleman, right? And the next part is, who is the steward of the pound, the one who it was entrusted to? It's the slaves. You see, it wasn't theirs to keep. It was theirs to use wisely. So there was provision with a purpose. And it wasn't theirs. It still belonged to the nobleman. And the same is true with us. See, we're gifted with, with gifts and talents to use to build the kingdom, to, to use those for God's purpose. So, so back to that phrase, with these things, okay, with these things. It's referring to what we do have, and it's not based on what we don't have. But sadly, what we often do is we often do this comparison game, right? We do it all the time. You know, well, well, look, we look at what others have, and then we look at what we have, and we think to ourselves, well, well I don't have as much as them. Uh, I'm not as blessed as what they are. You know what? If only ha I had that stuff, then I would do those things, and then I would respond in that way. But since I don't have those things, well, well, I guess I don't have to do that. In fact, so many of us are so busy envying somebody else's talent and what they have that we not only miss out on the opportunity of, of the gifts that we've been given, but sometimes that mentality can keep us stuck. We're always looking at somebody that might have more or better, and then we look at what we have, and, and we become depressed, and we spiral down. Let's face it, the more often than not, we calculate our little based on somebody else's much. And I want to say that again. We calculate our little based on somebody else's much. We compare ourselves to, to somebody who, who has more or, or has a better experience or, or maybe more talent. We look at our stuff and think to ourselves, you know what, I got nothing to offer. Why should I even bother? So back in elementary school, let's go back to the lunchroom real quick. I don't know if you did this too, but, but we would sit at those long tables, and, uh, and before we even looked into our lunch boxes or our lunch bags to see what we got, we would stick our hand in and we would pull out uh, the snack that, that was packed in our lunches. And we would take those snacks, we put them in a huge pile at the middle of the table, and then we would take turns picking out a snack that we wanted. And they, you know, they just kind of went around the, the table, and, and nobody knew where it was going to start, so I don't know who made that. That decision but anyway um so so there were two things left so i pull him put my hand in and i reach out an apple 
I reach out an apple. And so I put it in the middle of the table with all the fruit snacks, the fruit roll-ups and all that stuff, the Rice Krispie treats. And, and all of a sudden they go around the table and there's two things left and I'm the last person to go. And so the person in front of me, there's only a fruit roll-up and this apple on the table. And the person in front of me, what do you think they picked? Right? Church, they picked the apple. I got the fruit roll-up. I got the fruit roll-up. You know, here's me thinking, I got nothing to offer. Uh, nobody's going to want this. You know, I'm looking at all these other treats, and, and here's this apple. I'm going to get stuck with this apple. Yet somebody else wanted that apple. Somebody else was blessed by it. And so why do we think that we look at our own gifts and what we have and we think, well, it's not enough. I need something different. I need something more. When that gift that we have been given can truly bless somebody else's life. If you have little, have great influence over little. If you have much, have great influence over much. But in whatever you do, serve the Lord with whatever you have. Take what is temporary and make an eternal and significant impact, whether in terms of your work, your family, your friendships, whatever those things may be. Glorify God with what he has blessed you with. Stop thinking if only I had X, Y, and Z when he's already given you A through W. Don't downplay what he has blessed you with. Give him glory and use it to his glory. And maybe that's the message that you needed to hear today. Maybe, maybe you're looking at what you got and you say, man, I got so little. But what would it mean to allow it to bless your life but also to bless the life of someone else? So, so little Johnny was sitting on a bench at a baseball field and his, his hand was in his side of his face and, and, and seeing that Johnny was down, coach sat next to him and, and said, what's wrong, Johnny? He said, coach, I, I want to play. And he said, well, well, Johnny, there's a spot for you at second base. Why don't you just head out there? And Johnny said, you know, you know I, uh, wiping a tear from his eyes, I, I can't. I don't have the right glove to play second base. You know, I, I'll, I'd, I'd be fine if I had the Wilson A2K like Billy has. That's a great glove. And then I'd be able to play that position. And every ball that flew, came by me, I, I'd be able to catch it, and I wouldn't even miss a ball. And I'd be the greatest player of all time. But my mom, my mom won't buy me, buy me that glove. And I need that glove. The coach looked at Johnny, looked out at the field, looked back at Johnny, said, Johnny, why don't you just start using the glove that you do have? Why don't you start using the glove that, that is sitting right beside you rather than looking at what you don't have? You could be great now with what you've been given. Don't wait to start using and acting with those gifts. In fact, what I like about this parable over Matthew's depiction is that Luke uplifts that each servant received the same thing. And, and, and if you think about it, we all have one thing in common, and we all have the treasure of the good news gospel message of Jesus Christ. We all have the indwelling power of God's Holy Spirit who has taken up residence in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 12, verse 4 and following. We're going to dive into this text in a few weeks, but it shares this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. We're, we're all activated by the same Spirit, and to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit of God for what? The common good. We are called to use those gifts that God has blessed us with. And if we're too busy focusing on those things that we don't have, or, or if only we did this, 
then we miss out on those opportunities right before our eyes. You see, this gospel that you and I have been given has the power to transform lives. It has the power to raise spiritually dead to life. It has the power to transform hearts and minds and attitudes. And it has the power to change the course and trajectory of our life. And the question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to engage in business with what we have been blessed with and leverage those gifts? So back to our text, verse 15. Uh, so upon his return, look at what the nobleman's response is. When, when he returned, having received no royal power, he ordered his slaves to whom they, he had given money to summon them so he might find out what they had gained by trading. In other words, this is what it is. What would you do with what you got? What would you do with what you have been gifted with while I was gone? In fact, if you think about it this way, we're living between verse 12, right, and verse 15. We're living in this in-between time where the nobleman, where Jesus goes off and will one day come back. And the question is, what are we doing while we're waiting? While we hear what takes place in the terms of the, the three of the ten servants, it gives us a snapshot a little bit. Uh, but it gives us an idea of how we tend to respond. Uh, the first came forward and said, Lord, your pound has made 10 more pounds. He said to him, well done, good, good slave, because you have been trustworthy and in a very small thing, take charge of 10 cities. And, and before we go and, and think <coughs> teacher's pet kind of stuff, right? Don't miss the contrast here. As we move from being entrusted with a little to being trusted with cities. Look at that. Think about that. And isn't this true? What's that saying? The reward for work well done is what? More work, right? Saying yes to God in the small things, being faithful to God in the small things, watch what happens. You'll be blessed with some big things, some bigger opportunities. Why? Because there's a willingness of spirit. There's a willingness to answer that call and that prompting that God has placed on your heart. And so the question is, what are we going to accomplish with those gifts that God has entrusted and gifted and blessed us with? Now, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and be like, Pastor, you know, when I hit the Powerball, I'm going to pay off the mortgage of that church. I'm going to pay off the mortgage. It's done. You know, that, that organ that everybody's talking about, you know, I'm going I'm to pay for that thing to be replaced. And you know what? I am going to buy you your water slide that you want to go into the baptismal font and watch baptisms like skyrocket, right? Right? If only, you know, but if only I win the parable. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to pray. I pray that you win the parable. I, I pray like really hard that you're going to win that. But then I think to myself, what are you doing with what you got now? What are you doing on a daily basis with, with what God has already placed in your care? What he's already invited you to, to share and to experience and, and to not only have your life be blessed, but to be a blessing to someone else. In fact, the more that we use those gifts, we've seen it in life, the more skilled that we become, right? The more natural that becomes. When we use those gifts that God has given us, we're able to recognize those opportunities in front of our eyes to say, you know what? God wants me to respond, and he's calling me to respond, and he's placed it on my heart, and he has given me the gifts that I may be able to respond. And likewise, when the second came saying, Lord, your pound has made five more pounds, he, he said to him, and you rule over five cities. And notice there's a different results with the blessings to match, that, that both used what they had, but as you experience with a diet and exercise program, they say what? Results may vary, true? 
We know that. The same is true with what's happening. One got received 10 pounds or talents. The other one received five, five cities. In fact, for those of you who are able, for just a moment, I want everybody to just stand up right where you are. Just kind of stand up, stand up. Call it the stretching portion of the message, okay? Stand up, and I want you to turn around and face the back of the sanctuary. Turn around, turn around. Wave to the folks in our virtual balcony. Yeah, great, great, great. Let me ask you, now look down. Look straight down. Are you sitting on your talents? Are you talking, taking all that God has given you and use it to his glory? Are, are, are you just sitting on what he has blessed you with? Which brings us to the third servant. You can turn around again. The, the, the other view was much better than what I had uh, just now. But brings us to the third servant. You can sit down. Then the other came saying, Lord, Lord, here is your pound. I wrap it up in a piece of cloth and, and notice the barriers that are offered in verse 21. For, for I was afraid of you because you are a harsh man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And I think there's a part of us that can identify with, with the concern of that third slave. It, it's, it's hard to put ourselves out there. Maybe we're fearful of how, how, how it will be received when, when we use our gifts. Or, or maybe we have a mindset of scarcity. Well, what if I don't have enough? So what we wind up doing is we take our talents, we tuck them away, we keep them ourselves, we, we put them in our pockets, we sit on them, and don't really use them to their full glory, rather to God's glory. Think about it this way. A purpose uh, for a foundation or charity right, is to give something away. Now, now, if that foundation or charity decides, I'm going to keep this all to myself, is it fulfilling the purpose for which it was created? No. And the same is true with us. When we fail to use the gifts that God has blessed us with, we're not living into our God-given purpose. In fact, I want you to notice the response of the nobleman, verse 22. He said to him, I, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked slave. You, you knew, did you, that I was a harsh man, taking what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money into the bank? Then when I returned, I could have collected it with interest. In other words, you knew, you knew what you were supposed to do. And if you knew it, why, why didn't you do it? And you know, sometimes this is where many of us feel convicted. You know, in our heart of hearts, we know what we should be doing. We know how we should be using those gifts and talents that, that God has placed in our care, but for some reason, we, we pull back. James chapter 4, verse 17 puts it this way. It says, anyone then who knows the right thing and fails to do it commits sin. See, when we're going to have communion later on in our service today, we're not just talking about the sins of commission, those things that we know are wrong and that we did them anyway. It's also the sins of omission, those things that we knew that we should do, that we failed to do. You see, we speak, Jesus talks to both here. So what's your hurdle right now? What's causing you to, to take what God has blessed you with, wrap it up, hide it in your pocket, put it away, sit on it, keep it to yourself? Ask God to work in your heart right now. Ask God to not only show you those opportunities to use those gifts he's blessed you with, but, but ask him to give you the wisdom and insight to step into those places. You know, there's, there's a song by Reba McIntyre. Uh, it's entitled, love, love Isn't Love Till You Give It Away. I'm not a country fan, so whatever. Um, I'm just kidding. But, but what it does says here, I want you to listen to, to some of the, the lyrics that it has and, and tuck them away in your heart. Smile's not a smile until it wrinkles your face. 
bell's not a bell without ringing. A song's not a song without singing. And the chorus goes like this. Love isn't love till you give it away. Love isn't love till it's free. If the love in your heart wasn't put there to stay, oh, love isn't love till you give it away. You see those gifts, those blessings that have been entrusted to us, they don't become what God intended to be until we use them to his glory. You see, we've been given gifts, and which brings us to our final section and final reading. And he said to the bystander, take the pound from him and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. And they said to him, Lord, Lord, he has 10 pounds. I truly tell you, all this who have more will be given, but, but from whom those who have nothing, everything that will be given will be taken away. And I've got to tell you, this, this one is, is hard to wrestle with, but I want you to think about this way. Maybe you had a talent growing up. Maybe you were once able to run marathons. Maybe you were once able to play a piano or, 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 or an instrument or, or sing. You know, when we don't use those gifts, what happens? That language goes away. That, that skill goes away. And the same is true when we don't use our God-given gifts. Or maybe we've started to take them for granted or, or we figured, you know what, everybody else can use their gifts. I'll hold on to mine. Or, or perhaps instead of investing in the eternal, we're too just busy with life. And so our calendars and our schedules get in the way of those opportunities for us to use those gifts. And over time what happens is that our ears and our hearts begin to close themselves off to what God is inviting us to do and asking us to do. It becomes easier and easier just to say no. Uh, 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 I don't need to do that. See, so what gift have God blessed you with? What is it that you can offer? Your times, your gifts, your talents. For your homework this week, what I want you to do, see a couple readings up there. The first one's from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. Second one is Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. And I want you to reflect on this. With the power of the gospel in me, with an indwelling of the Holy Spirit in, in me, what am I being called to do? How, how is God calling me to step out in faith? And how will I use the gifts that God has entrusted with me? And that question that we began with, will I bury or will I bless? Will I bury or will I bless? These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers.